Welcome to Blurred United, whoever you are, wherever and whenever you may be listening, thanks for making us part of your day. I'm Disa, as ever with Yazzie, and we're just a blurred couple, navigating our way through all these geek fandoms and uniting them for your consumption. Oh my god, how's it, how you been, Blurds? How have you been? It has been a hectic couple of weeks for us. Um, you know, sometimes the IRL world, which we hate, uh, gets in the way of uh, us uh, connecting with guys, people like yourselves. So, uh, but listen, we're back. We're back on air. We're going to be discussing a whole range of things today. Yazzie's in uh, in town, and she's uh, brought her own little section over there. I don't say little to demean it. It's very, very important, obviously. Um, but uh, yeah, she's 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 here with uh, her her section. I'm coming in later on. I'm going to be discussing. Um, our question of the day or most unpopular opinion that we hold, um, that's to do with One Dark Knight. Uh, what else are we talking about today? Yeah, we're bringing up the news, obviously. I'm going to bring that up in a little bit. And then we're going to talk about uh, whatever it is we feel like talking about in the next couple of minutes. But, of course, as I just stated, let's start off with the news. So what has been going on since the last time we talked to you since the last time we engaged um let's just uh, flip through the news here with our handy dandy flip through news app or whatever uh okay okay yes yes since we last talked to you captain marvel probably the most controversial movie of the year so far has um is officially now the 10th highest grossing comic book movie of all time like of all time it's, uh, I mean, the list of movies that it has succeeded past is, it's, it's, it's quite startling. It's now officially made more money than Wonder Woman. It's uh, crossed the billion dollar mark. Um, listen, we stated on this podcast that Captain Marvel was either going to make more money than Wonder Woman, but be lower rated than Wonder Woman, or higher rated than Wonder Woman, but gross less there was no in between for this movie i gathered that it was going to make more money than wonder woman because the marvel machine that propels movies like this is so well oiled so precise so well drilled it was going to make if it if it didn't make 400 million i would have been shocked and it is clear that uh, like like four times over it is it's 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 is well past 400 million into the billion dollar mark and it just seems to keep on churning and we expect um, it to keep on growing more money and look i saw it i haven't given my review on it but um is it the best marvel movie so far no no it's not it's not it, uh, but it didn't need to be um why why should it be why, why, why does it need to be the best Marvel movie so far in order to work? Does anybody actually remember Captain America, the first Avenger? Does anyone actually think that was the best Marvel movie of all? Does anyone remember Thor? Does, is anyone really of the opinion that Thor was the best Marvel movie or even origin movie ever? I mean, Iron Man is Iron Man, right? It was brilliant. I, I personally think that the best origin movie in the Marvel MC, in the MCU, uh, actually belongs to Iron Man, followed by Ant Man. I think Ant Man is the second best. I think that Captain America, the first Avengers, is the next best, and then I would probably put Captain Marvel. I think Captain Marvel is 
this movie was better than Thor. In my estimation, it was way more entertaining. I thought that the funny bits worked. I think that the, um, I think it worked. The funny bits really worked. And there's, there was very decent chemistry between uh, Samuel L. Jackson and Brie Larson. Pretty decent uh, chemistry over there. Of course, the star of the show was, was obviously uh, Goose, played by those four cats. He was obviously the star of the show. The scrolls were pretty impressive themselves. But look, this is not surprising. The fact that it's the 10th highest grossing. And it's about goddamn time that they put a woman front and center in the MCU. And I look forward to seeing more of Brie Larson at the forefront of the MCU. And see what she has to bring that could be slightly different to the Avengers that comes out in about a month. Um, moving right along. Okay. Um, Godzilla director Michael Doherty has been in the news recently and he is man he's pushing for every goddamn crossover every single crossover he wants an avengers crossover he wants a star wars crossover with godzilla i'm like man if you want another if you want to if you want to direct those movies go ahead and direct those movies man the idea of of an avengers and godzilla crossover is the most ridiculous crap i've ever heard in my life like come on man you can't even like you can't justify that. He's talking about a Godzilla Avengers crossover. How does that even work? Where? where how? I don't see how that works. I just don't. I don't. And Star Wars. Come on now. What? 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 What you gonna do? Like have Boba Fett crash land on Earth, and that's what's up. Or have like I don't know the Guardians of the Galaxy land on Tatooine. What? What, what exactly? How, how exactly do you want this to work? Anyway, Michael Doherty, I love the I love your gumption. I love you. I love the gumption to want to have something like that. But if you want to direct one of these MCU movies, if you want to have a go at it, have a go at it. Have a chat with Kevin Feige. You seem like a, he seems like a pretty pretty switched on geek geekish dude, and uh, I think that he has some really good ideas. I'm really excited to actually see his movie Godzilla. Uh, every single trailer I've seen makes me want to see it more. I'm really, really excited about it. And um, this is the best looking Godzilla, I think, thus far. Um, but as for it as a crossover with Avengers or Star Wars, man, come on, take a break from that one. Um, speaking of Star Wars news, um, since the last time we talked to you, uh, that's, uh, there's more rumors coming out about more series coming out on Disney+. Plus. Um, one of the big ones, is of course the Obi-Wan series. It, it used to be, a we wanted an Obi-Wan movie, but now apparently it might turn into a series, which in a lot of ways is better. You know what I mean? Because look, if you want to have an Obi-Wan, an Obi-Wan property, and you want to explore this character, right? I think that a series on streaming puts a little bit less pressure on it to be great and to justify its own existence. It can be whatever it is you want to be, and if it does, if it doesn't, if it doesn't work, we'll probably never know because it's just like we'll get a whole bunch of yeah, it'll be get something on Rotten Tomatoes, probably a very good rating because everyone wants to see this. But ultimately speaking, we're gonna it's gonna be judged on views and not cash. Cash and views mean two different things. They're not the same thing. People, we don't, because we don't know what views mean. We don't know, that could be one person having seen it 10 times, or it could mean 10 people having seen it once. 
You know, like views don't, we, we, we don't know. And they never release their views and statistics and all that stuff. So I think that an Obi-Wan series probably is the best way to do it. Do a three or four part um, series, maybe six part uh, mini movies, each one, one hour long. And just give it, give us the Obi-Wan story of how he, I don't know, saved Luke in some pass or whatever. And, or he, he, he found a way to guard Luke without Luke even knowing. That's an interesting story. I wouldn't mind seeing that in a series. I do. I have always felt though that if you are going to do a, if you are going to do a, a Lord of a, an Obi Wan thing, as a movie, that's that's a tough sell. It's a tough sell. It's I, I want that more than I would have wanted a solo movie, but it's still to me a reasonably tough sell that that's that's a good thing to do. But anyway. So that's expected to that's people expect that to be announced um, for Disney Plus as a series, limited edition series at uh, Star Wars Celebration, which I believe kicks off. Well, it's going to kick off by the time you guys have heard this has heard this podcast. Um, let's move right along. OK, so. Speaking of streaming, um, we all know that Google have announced that they have their own game streaming platform that they're going to launch. Now, not to be outdone, one of the largest co other large companies in the world of entertainment and, and uh, technology, Apple, none other than Apple, have announced their own game streaming service. Um, it's going to be called Apple Arcade, and it's going to launch with apparently around... 100 plus games uh this also adds on to apple's other announcement in streaming that they are going to launch a new tv streaming service uh it's going to have over it's going to launch with about 20 shows and movies from some serious a-listers uh we're talking guys like steven spielberg is going to be directing some stuff on it there's going to be a show i don't know if it's a show or a movie by jason momoa hot off his aquaman fame look if if a if a company that's worth damn near a trillion dollars wants to put their weight behind uh, a, a streaming platform it's going to work and we all know that apple fans are going to flock to this um they're going to they're going to they're going to just they're going to they're going to rent it they're going to get it you know, plain and simple. I worry about like the amount of shows that they have on it and whether or not there's enough of a draw for the for for non Apple fans who just want to watch some stuff. And I'm and I'm deeply concerned about all these streaming services because at this rate, it it might be better just to go get cable and wait for them all to every one of these things to show up on cable because it it feels like everyone's coming out with their own streaming service and. We don't know, like, everyone has their own streaming service, and it's like, it's, it's $8 here, $7 there, $5 there, $10 there, $12 here. Eventually, you're going to be paying more than cable for less stuff. You know what I mean? So, I, I don't know. I think that uh, the powers that be definitely need to figure something out there. And maybe, maybe a bundling service is going to come through if you have any access to that. Uh, those people and whatnot, I think that a, a, a service like that would really, really work. Um, there's a business idea for you. A um, little bit of Avengers news. Um, Avengers Endgame came out, and apparently it's going to be the longest MCU movie at just over three hours and some. I'm a little disappointed by that. I was hoping that it would be a little bit longer. 
Uh, <laughs> I was hoping that it would be a little bit longer. I'm dead serious because we have a lot to get through, man. We have a lot to get through. I wouldn't have minded if they put these, if this, this had been its own little trilogy. Yeah. Yeah, I said it. I said it. I wouldn't have minded if this endgame, if it had been like Infinity War, endgame and endgame conclusion, all three different movies all coming out year after year. I love these movies and I want more of them. I don't give a rat's patootie about whether or not it's three hours, six hours, ten hours. Fuck out of here, man. I want to see more Tony Stark, Steve Rogers, Captain America, you know, Thor. I want to see these guys, the Guardians, Spider-Man, all of them. I want to see all these people, man. Uh, no, no. I make it four hours. Extend it. I hope there's an extended cut. I hope they take it all Peter Jackson, you know what I mean? Give us an extended cut. That was like, uh, no, look, the original cut was like six hours, man. Like, we, But we couldn't release that. So, you know, here you go. Here you go. Here's, 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 here's your six hours um, for, for the real buffs. Um, sticking with Avengers news, uh, the posters came out last week, uh, earlier this week, sorry, and, well, they don't include quite a few people. Uh, people like Agent Maria Hill, who disappeared right next to, uh, right next to Nick Fury. It, they, there are no posters for people like Korg, and God damn it, there's no poster for Goose. What happened to Goose? What happened to everyone's favorite flirking? God damn it. There's no respect here. Look. Look. I get it. They wanted a certain amount of things and they wanted it to be perfectly balanced and they picked some stuff. But I was like, really? You're going to include Happy in the poster, but you're not going to include Maria Hill? That, that doesn't track to me. It doesn't track. I, I, I mean, I don't know. Maybe, maybe Happy, it's a sign that Happy's going to play a bigger part in the next coming movie. I don't know. I think that that could be a spoiler. It could be a, a hint at what's to come. Maybe everyone's talking about Ant-Man crawling up the patootie. But what if it's a common man, a normal guy, a normal guy who is the key to beating Thanos? There's a plot twist for you. What if it's a normal guy? They depower Thanos and then boom, Happy knocks off a gun, takes out a, takes out a normal 45 and caps Thanos right in the, between the eyes. What if that's how it ends? I, I think everyone would be really, really, really upset. But at the same time, it would be rather poetic, I suppose, that a normal man was all that it took to defeat the most powerful being in the universe. One for humanity, right? All, and all that crap. Anyway, uh, speaking of uh, one for humanity, um, New Mutants. Man, who knows what the fuck is going on with New Mutants. It's, it's just becoming embarrassing. Uh, Maisie Williams has come out and she said exactly the same thing as I did all this time. She has no fucking clue what is going on with New Mutants. They haven't done the reshoots that they were scheduled to do. They, we don't know whether or not it's coming out in theaters. We don't know if it's coming out to streaming. We don't know if it's going to be direct to DVD or some shit. Nobody knows. Nobody knows anything that's going on, apparently, especially the actors. Ugh, pardon me. Um, nobody knows anything. And, uh, my suspicion, this thing is not coming out in theaters. It is going to go straight to Disney X, uh, Disney Plus. That's my suspicion over here. Um, check it, box it. Um, sticking with the X-Men universe, um, you know, Sophie Turner's back patting herself. She's saying that, man, this Dark Phoenix movie, whoo, it is the shit. She's loving her work. I'm like, yeah, you know, Sophie... She hasn't done anything good 
outside of Game of Thrones. Not one thing that is good outside of Game of Thrones. So I'm look, I'm not gonna take your I'm not gonna I'm not gonna take her word on this, but I will say the Dark Phoenix trailers look really promising. Um, I hope that as the last turn for the X-Men universe, this particular version of the X-Men universe, it is very good. I want it to work because the Dark Phoenix thing is um, is very good. But I think that this should have been two movies, not one. I think that trying to create Dark Phoenix at the end of Apocalypse and then introducing it at the end of Apocalypse and then, ju- and then making one movie with it, it, that sucks, man. And I always thought that what you need to do with Dark Phoenix is include the Shi'ar um, in it because making it seem like she's just this super powerful mutant, just that doesn't track for me. I think that something, it has to be extraterrestrial in origin and that's, that's for me. But I'm, that's why I never liked this whole Dark Phoenix storyline being just a regular mutation of Jean Grey. But that's me, you know, tell, tell me what you think. Um, last two or three little bits of news over here. Um, Jordan Peele, our favorite blurred, one of our favorite blurreds, um, obviously is, uh, just came out with his movie Us, and he was recently asked whether or not he'd consider, uh, putting a white man as the lead role in his movie. And he said he doesn't see it happening for the simple reason that he's seen that movie. And you know what? He's right. We've seen that movie. There's almost it. We want something new, and I gotta tell you, as the fact that people of color have not been at the forefront of movies, even if you put, if you literally just made remade Jaws, right, and you made that a black person, and we said, okay, we're gonna rewrite Jaws, but with a black dude there, it's a whole different movie with a black dude there. Firstly, the jokes are good. they're gonna be different jokes about like, man, why are we out here on a goddamn boat? You brought me out here on your damn raft. There's a damn shark out there. Great white shark. Man, why is it called a great white shark? I mean, I, I can see, I can see, you just get Chris Rock on the case. And it'll be funny as hell. I'm just saying, it's, <laughs> if you just put the same people but make it people of color in those movies, it's a different movie because we think differently. People of color have their different backgrounds. All of a sudden, there's, there's a whole different historical edge to it that, changes the context of many of the sequences and in that respect he's absolutely right and i and i applaud him and since when is it when is since when is it not okay to make a movie with just black folk or people of one race white people have been doing that forever i'm just saying uh okay what else is going on uh star trek actor uh, sonica martin green has joined the space jam cast i couldn't care less um, I mean, I'm going to watch Space Jam, you know, for, for the child in me. But, man, I'm not excited for Space Jam. Like, why would I be? Anyway. Um, okay, last little bit of news before we go to a little bit of a break. Um, yeah, Shazam. Shazam has beat out Aquaman in pre-sale box office. It looks like Shazam is going to be a bona fide hit for, for the DC universe. And I couldn't be happier. 
I legit could not be happier. I want good things for Shazam. He's one of my favorite heroes. I think that Shazam is the perfect hero in a lot of ways. He represents who we are. We're all kids inside who want to be superheroes. And that's why we watch these things. That's why we read these books. That's why we wrote our own fan fiction. That's why we do podcasts about it. That's why we do memes about it. Because deep down, we're all just kids who want to be superheroes. And Shazam is a kid who gets to be a superhero. He is us. He is all of us, and, in, and that's why it works so well. Um, and I think this movie is going to be fun. I love Zachary Levi. He's a great, he's a great actor, and I hope, I hope all, for all the best for him in this. Um, and I hope DC don't, uh, don't cock it up. Anyway, we're going to go to a little bit of a break now, and uh, yeah, we'll get back to you on the flip side. Again, I don't know what music's going to come on. I, I really don't. Um, but yeah, we'll catch you on the other side of it.
Okay, we are back. We are back. We are back. We're on the show on Blurds United here. And um, I got a question for you. Yeah, you. You listening. You ready for it? Ready for the question? Good. Here it is. What would you call a guy who subverts the police and the entire legal process and uses the and owns the police so completely and their and their leadership so completely and utterly that they are essentially his foot soldiers in his in the inner city like literally owns the police service where they they don't feel they can can or will do anything to them subvert them so completely and owns them what would you call this person if you also used destitute children as child soldiers in his never-ending quests of, of in his cultish never-ending quest what would you call a man who guards who does all of that and guards his territory with an iron fist so much so that even other law enforcement and heroes well-acknowledged heroes do not challenge his authority in this place what do you call a man who holds on to technology that could help hundreds of thousands, millions of people, but doesn't? To from, would help hundreds of thousands or millions of people from feeling and being safe from criminals that will get out and kill people, but doesn't because he knows they will get out. And then they'll kill people and allow comes and allows him to come in there and act like a messiah and save them, quote unquote. I know you can't see my air quotes, but I'm heavily air quoting. What would you call this guy? Some people call him a vigilante. Some people call him a hero. Some people call him an anti-hero. But everybody calls him Batman. I personally call him a villain. These are the charges laid at Batman's door. You want to you wanna know why I'm saying that Batman is a villain? I have a submission. I'm positing this submission to you. That Batman is the greatest villain in Gotham. He is a bigger villain than the Joker. He's a bigger villain than the Riddler. He is a bigger villain than any of them. He is not a hero. He should not be seen as a hero. Because as I stated, let's st start at the top over here with the charges against him. Subversion of the police and the legal system. This goes right to the very top. Right to the very top. The commissioner of police is in Batman's pocket. Countless times. It doesn't matter which iteration that you look at. It doesn't matter. The commissioner of police has been known to consort with a known vigilante who wields his own brand of vicious justice, sometimes even handing him material evidence in emergency situations when the police should be acting on it. It's not them who act on it. It's he gives it to the police. He gives it to this man, Batman, because Batman will save the police. Because Batman has so convinced 
so utterly owns the police, commissioner, the leadership of the police, and has struck such fear into the police foot soldiers, the constables who walk the streets. He strikes such fear into their hearts, they don't even want to act against him. That sounds a lot like a mob boss. I, I, I read stories about guys like John Gotti and guys like, um, you know, back, from, back in the roaring 20s over there with guys like that saying, hey, man, we were scared. We were scared for our lives because this guy could kill us. That sounds a lot like it. Where the police feel so, 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 like their balls have been clipped, man. They've been, they, they've been, they've been neutered. Their power is gone. Because they're owned by Batman. He owns them. And he, and he wields this authority with wanton disregard to the feelings, wishes, wants of the citizenry of the, of the city that he says he protects. Let's go on to point two. Usage of child soldiers. Look, I'm from Africa. That's where I'm from. I'm from Botswana. Um, we don't have child soldiers or anything of the sort, right? We don't, um, we're, not, we're not really with that. But I will tell you, there are lots of countries in Africa. I have friends from places like Sierra Leone. I have friends from places like Rwanda. I have friends in these kind of countries who, where child soldiers have been used. And that's exactly what Batman does. Because he uses his cultish persona and charisma to convince these destitute children who are impressionable he gets them right there when they are at their most vulnerable he identifies a key strength in them in the case of dick grayson it was it was it was his acrobaticism his acrobaticism and the death of his parents he recognized this kid is a great acrobat i could use that skill to turn him into a living weapon coupled with his quest for vengeance for the deaths of his family. Oh, what a weapon he'd be. In the case of Jason Todd, his, the sheer skill of putting the bat car on, 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 on crates. But the kid was homeless, destitute. Batman took him, took that enterprising ability and turned him into a weapon. You look at Damian Wayne, who was actually already a weapon. He was already a child soldier converted by, by his racial ghoul. Who's the other one? Tim Drake. Tim Drake. He identified his intelligence. But he was also a young boy. Impressionable. Took him under his wing. Turned him into a weapon. What does Batman always refer to them as? As these kids. Good soldiers. He always refers to Dick, he refers to Dick Grayson. Tim Drake. Jason Todd. All of them. Good soldiers. Because that's all they are to him. Expendable. Soldiers. And a general, which is what he sees himself as, knows that soldiers, the soldiers are expendable, but the general must live on because he doesn't care about them. Even, J even Dick, Dick Grayson, he says, Dick Grayson, he actually admitted in one of his more, in one of Batman's more self-aware moments, he acknowledges that Nightwing is, the, is what Batman should have been but that he was too weak. He instead used his power, his brutality, to exert influence over Gotham. He didn't say that, but he said, because that's what, but that's what Nightwing does. He just does the right thing. 
Dick Grayson left because all he was was a weapon. Just watch Titans and he says it. He says, Batman turned me into a weapon, a living weapon. And it's really hard to turn that programming, keyword programming off. Because you can't turn that programming off if you were a child soldier. It's, you live with it now. He's scarred forever. Batman uses kids as weapons with no regard for their safety and wishes. That's why Jason Todd died. Jason Todd died at the hands of the Joker, and that blood is on Batman's hands. It, all of them, all the Robins, their blood is on Batman's hands. And it doesn't even stop there. Because it even goes into Batman Beyond. Batman Beyond! Where Batman takes, a, takes on a new ward and turns him into the Batman and uses, uses him as a good soldier. This is disgusting. It mounts. Did you know that the Guardians of Oa, this is, a, this is actually one of the stranger facts that I found out in my research here. The Guardians of Oa, they patrol the known universe. The known universe. The whole thing. They patrol the whole thing. Except this one little patch of, uh, of land on Earth called Gotham. You know why? Because Batman's there. Because Batman brooks no competition to his supreme authority in Gotham. None. He does not allow the Green Lantern in. He does not allow Superman in. He doesn't allow Wonder Woman in. He doesn't allow Jon Stewart in. He doesn't allow anybody in that he doesn't already own. Because he wants to exert authority over all of it. That's what he wants. He, want, he wants ownership. He wants the whole kit and caboodle, baby. He wants everybody. And if you step into Gotham, he will politely tell you to sod right off. Just hit, the, hit, the, hit bricks, kid. If you come into Gotham without asking him, sometimes he even attacks. Yeah, he's even attacked Superman because Superman entered Gotham without his permission. He doesn't own Superman. He doesn't own, much, he doesn't own Gotham. But yet, he goes to other people's towns without ever asking permission. He enters Gotham. He enters, sorry, sorry, Metropolis. Whenever he likes. He just goes there. Whether it's Batman or as in the guise of Bruce Wayne. He brooks no authority. He brooks no competition to his authority in Gotham. But completely walks over the authority of others in their cities. This sounds like a sociopath. This sounds, not soci this sounds psychopathic. We're talking about a guy who owns the police force, who uses child soldiers, who doesn't allow any competition to his own authority in his own land, in, in, in his own land. You, you missed the air quotes. This is crazy. Let's, add, let's go to the right to the last point. His villains, right? His villains. Look, Arkham Asylum, right? Let's talk about Arkham Asylum. Arkham Asylum is a place that Batman enters and leaves whenever he wants. He doesn't own Arkham. He doesn't. Even though he has a Batcave stationed right underneath it. He, underneath a land that he doesn't even own. He has technology. Have you seen the Batcave technology? It's damn near impossible to get into the Batcave if you don't want to. If you can keep people out of the Batcave, you can keep people in Arkham. 
the logic holds, right? He could keep all those guys in Arkham if he wanted to, through the guise of Bruce Wayne, as a helpful, good citizen. But he doesn't, does he? Why not? Why not? Why, if, you, if you have technology that could keep the citizens of the place you profess to love safe, and you choose not to release this technology, why would you not? I'm left with only, the only conclusion. Because he wants them to escape. That's the only thing that I've got left. He wants them to escape. Why would he want them to escape? Because he's a brutal dictatorial, cultish psychopath who simply wants to beat up on sick people who challenge his authority because he perversely wishes to present himself as a hero while also feeding his itch of beating up on people. He has an itch. Every single time he goes out, he has an itch to go out there and beat up on people. He beats up on Disabled people, not disabled people, mentally, mentally, mentally handicapped people, people with, with mental problems who challenge his authority in his own city that he owns with an iron fist, owns and runs with an iron fist. That's Batman, a psychopath, a cult leader, a guy who just beats up on, on, the, on the sick people of Gotham, sick citizenry of Gotham and owns them and keeps on with his messianic quest to be seen as a hero. Because deep down, he wants to be seen as a hero. He sees himself as Zorro, the anti-hero. But I'm here to tell you, folks, that he's not an anti-hero. He's not a hero. He's a villain. He's Gotham's greatest villain. He's the thing that must be stopped. I'm not saying that the Joker's methods are right. I'm not saying that any of those villains in there are good people. I'm not saying that they haven't done, committed unspeakable acts. I'm really not. But I am saying that what Batman has done is created a little fiefdom of his own with his cultish persona that he uses, that he wields to indoctrinate, weaponize destitute children and lead them to slaughter if need be. That where he owns the police service like, and runs them like some mob boss running his foot soldiers that doesn't allow any authority into his own city. No, man. Nah, you can miss me with that. Batman is Gotham's greatest villain. Prove me wrong. Je réalise tes rêves Aucune hésitation, notre amour est la solution Choisis une destination, on partira vers l'horizon Croquer le fruit défendu, le fruit de la passion L'histoire n'est pas la même qu'à la création du monde Puisqu'on savoure chaque seconde La vie est un jardin d'Eden tant que je reste avec ma blonde Pas de représailles, pas de punition Tu es ma seule face en toi, la vie est une prison Alors tant que t'es près de moi ou bien dans mes bras On ira là où tu voudras tant que tu finis dans mes bras Je serai fort car au Que je reste avec ma blonde à dominer le monde, atteindre nos rêves comme à 
Nous sommes les créateurs de l'amour phénoménal Et si le monde a peur, tu règnes animal On sera sauvé, mmh, l'amour bestial Tu es ma femelle et je ne te ferai pas de mal On vit dans une jungle et si la terre tremble Malgré tous ces cinglés, nous on reste ensemble On a changé la face du monde, depuis nous la terre n'est plus ronde La vie est un jardin d'Eden tant que je reste avec ma blonde A dominer le monde nos rêves Comme Adam et Ève Et chaque seconde Passée avec ma blonde Je dépasse mes rêves En mode Adam et Ève Verset numéro 3 Pour aller au-delà C'est le commencement De notre abonnement Allons-nous-en Consider sad news in my world. Now, for those who love the world of the Winchester Brothers and Supernatural, they came on like two days ago, I think it was now. If I'm correct, I could be completely wrong. It could have been earlier, but they came on pretty recently this week. Um, and told us straight from the horse's mouth that next season, season 15, will be the last season. Dean and Sam Chester have been carrying on this family business, saving people's lives from hauntings of ghosts, ghouls, vampires, werewolves, you name it, for years and years. And now season 15 will be the last time that we will see them do this. This is going to be the last time that they will be on set. That Jensen, that um, Jared and Misha will be on set for Supernatural all together. And that breaks my heart. It, oh my gosh, it breaks my heart so much. I didn't think it was going to do that, but it it hurts a lot more. This is a show that I have watched season to season. Some, you know, seasons I missed when they came out, but I didn't watch the newest season until I'd gone back and made sure I'd caught up. I refused to have like I was like 
all my friends would be like, oh, um, have you seen the new episode? I'm like, no, I missed the last two seasons, so I'm going to go back. And I'll miss them, not because I don't want to watch them, but because around the time, they weren't really coming on TV um, back in Botswana as much as um, I wanted them to or at times that were convenient for me. So I would end up missing them. And that annoyed me, so I was like, okay, I'm just going to stop watching for a bit until I can get good internet service and just stream them. So that's what I ended up doing at some point. I streamed, I downloaded downloaded them, everything, until I was caught up. And then um, me and my best friend, we would watch episode for episode for episode and just chat shit about it we'll just chat shit the entire time and well not shit but would just geek out because this this is man the winchester brothers and and castiel they are special people they have a special place in my heart because I've always loved the world of vampires and werewolves and and literally all things supernatural. And they literally brought that stuff to the screen for me every single episode. And they brought emotion and they brought craziness. They brought so many laughs. Oh my gosh. The amount of laughs, I swear, Jensen Ackles is the most funniest person ever. I, mm, his dark humor sometimes, I'm like, yo, yo, like, will you marry me? It is so good. And watching, sometimes I've seen, like, um behind the scenes when they're just all together and just having fun and they just always look they're having such a ball and I love it I love it so how they announced this they what they decided they were gonna do which I commend them for doing and I think that's the best way to ever tell someone that we're coming to an end as they talked well that the show's coming to end, is that they talk to the crew first. They let the crew know that first, from their mouths, that, look, unfortunately, season 15 is going to be our last run at this. And, and then they came to Twitter in a video with them using their own mouths to say it. They let their fans, their family our fandom know that they're coming to an end and the way they said it you could see that it was hurting them especially Jared he he looked like he wanted to cry and they did mention like how they you know they had some cries about it and that to me is beautiful because you can see that they too have grown in this show from season to season 
and that they have built such a family in this that to say goodbye to this family in this sort of way I mean I'm sure the show ending doesn't mean they're never gonna see each other doesn't mean they're never gonna be hanging out but the chances of all of them cast and crew working together again like every single one of them that's not gonna happen unless they reboot supernatural which i wouldn't want them to do i want them that if this is the end for it to stay the end but you could see on jad's face and misha's to be honest that they were heartbroken. Jensen looked like he was taking it a lot better. That, you know, he was dealing with the situation a lot better. And they did mention that they want to save most of the emotions and, and sadness for when next season's coming out and when the last few episodes they shoot and come out. They want to save it for that and not be all mushy and stuff about it right now. So that's great and I love that. Um, 15 seasons is a long time, guys. That is a long time for a show of this nature to still be running. A lot of the time, shows in this sort of realm don't get past five seasons. So, 15 seasons where they have been able to form and reform and and, and and move around several times is beautiful. Like it is it is it is it is a magical thing that they have been able to keep running this long. I the one thing I will say I, I am also really sad about is Never being able to have gone to a San Diego Comic-Con when Dean, Sam, and Castiel were all there. And to have been in the same room as them. Just being in the same room. Like, forget even just getting to meet them. Just being in the same room as them. That I've never gotten to do that. And I may never get to actually do that because... Unless they're coming back of like, oh, remember this show we used to do? They're not going to be at any more Comic-Cons of any kind. I mean, apart from next year's one where they might come through because, you know, series finale. They want to, they might come out with a whole bang and, and do a whole tour or something. Fingers crossed, putting it onto the universe, Lord hear me. Make it happen. There we go. So, yeah. Oh, you know what? I have my favorite episode that came out pretty recently. And it's my favorite because it meshed a show I grew up with. A show that in a lot of ways, introduced me to the supernatural world in a very interesting way. And that is the Scooby-Doo 
crossover slash mashup. That was the most brilliant mashup I've ever seen a show do with a freaking cartoon. It's a cartoon, guys. Scooby fucking do is a cartoon. And they did the most amazing mashup with it. I was like, oh my gosh, it's Mystery Inc. and freaking Winchester Brothers. What the fuck? This shouldn't be happening, but it happened so smoothly, so effortlessly, and with such a, a joy that when I heard that they were going to do that episode before it even came out, I literally called my best friend. I'm like, dude, are you going to watch this? If you do not watch this, I'll be so mad at you. And we literally saved the date. And when it came out, we were there binging it, making sure that we did not miss a beat. Otherwise, we would not be able to, like, live. Like, how can you live knowing that you missed one of the best mashups ever? Now, I know a lot of people talk about the musical episode. Unfortunately, I don't really remember it too well, so I'm going to have to go back and, and listen to that. But knowing these guys... I know it, it It was brilliant because I know every single episode I've ever watched, which is the entire 14 seasons, has been brilliant. Oh, speaking of 14 seasons, so, well, not really speaking of 14 seasons, but yeah, yeah. So, this is... This is what I find beautiful about this show. So we know how, you know, the first two seasons focused, well, not involved a lot to do with their father. So Jeffrey Dean Morgan, as a lot of you may only now know him, Negan in Walking Dead, He was in Supernatural in the first two seasons as Dean, Sam and Dean Winchester's father. Now in this 14th season, he's come back, you know, you know, to be like, hey, I'm back, you know, guest guest appearance kind of thing. So he put out a, um... A tweet just saying pretty much that he is proud of the show and that he loves this show and that he loves everyone and that he's sad that it's it's coming to an end but then he also goes out with some really good hope that he hopes that the last season, the last year of Supernatural will have a beautiful wrap-up that it actually deserves. Like, one that they can be like, you know what, yeah, yeah, we ended the show the right way. The way that us as actors of this show and you as our fans deserve the the wrap up that closes the show the only way it should 
be closed. And then he, you know, throws in there that, you know, he might want to, you know, appear in a couple episodes in the final season. You know, just do a little proper little arc. Just be like, yeah, I'm here too, guys. I'm here to say goodbye to you guys. And that's beautiful because that makes me realize that the Supernatural family goes so deep that even after not being there for majority of the entire show, <clears throat> mind you, he was there for only the first two seasons. Yes, he played a big character, but just the first two seasons. And all the way up until now, after doing so many things with Walking Dead and all these other things that he's done, Supernatural is still his family. That alone should should be an example to how deep this family runs. This supernatural fandom that I belong to, that some of you listeners may belong to, is such a beautiful one. And I'm so proud of these boys that they were able to bring us this show for this long. And it's going to be sad to say goodbye to them, but I'm looking forward to season 15 and all the adventures they're going to take me on. So, yeah. Goodbye, Supernatural. You are loved by many and will forever be loved.